Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. So, outside of the service this morning, it has been a long time since I've seen that video. And um, I had the Bieber haircut before the Bieber was the Bieber. Um, Embarrassing. Also, a little tidbit of information, that last scene where you see me kind of on the truck shouting, uh, those aren't even my clothes. They tell you to bring extra clothes with you, and it was a water stunt, and I just like brought an extra pair of shorts. They're like, where are your clothes at? And I was like, I don't know. So I'm sopping wet, so the producer had to wind up giving me all of his clothes to wear. (laughs) So there was a producer producing without his clothes on. Um... So, little information, little side note. Um, anyway, so yeah, so Fear Factor was the show. Again, my name is Jeff. Uh, Fear Factor was a show that gripped the majority of the country for years and years and years because people were doing these unbelievable tasks, these disgusting things for our entertainment to just please us. Um, they did these crazy people, they did things each and every week because there was a particular thing that was dangled in front of them. And that particular carrot that was dangled was money. Just money. People did these berserk things, these crazy, disgusting things for the chance at money. Um, I remember them, you know, kind of, I joke, they tell us, like, okay, we're going to have to get out there and you're you're, going to win. Maybe. Okay, so there's a good, there's a, oh, well, there's not really that good of a chance you're going to win. But you know what? Get out there. Go for it. Make us some TV ratings. Those poor people were not the brightest bulbs in the box, were they? Hey, men. <laughs> I was on that show. <laughs> when the show started, people slowly began to hear about these disgusting, terrible, crazy things that these people were doing, and they began to watch. And uh, My season was actually the second season. The first season, people began to hear about it, and I was on the second season. The way I got on the show is a friend of mine, actually. She, she had seen the show, and I think her, her words were something like, hey, you do dumb stuff like that all the time. You should be on that show. <laughs> of course, my natural reaction was, yeah, I should be. Not even to take into consideration the fact that millions of people were auditioning and sending in tapes. I just assumed I was going to be on the show. And I was, thank goodness. And I won. My outcome is a lot different than a lot of people's, thank goodness. I didn't do all that for nothing. Got a little bit of money in my pocket. I want to tell you something, though, about fear. What we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to transition a little bit in fear by talking about fear factor. Um, I tried really hard to try and figure out how I can communicate to you guys what I experienced on the show. And sometimes in church we do communion. So I, what I did is I left a little something under your chair. If you want to grab it, communion is going to look a little different today, if you want to grab something. I'm just kidding. There's nothing there. If there were worms, would you eat it? Would you have? Yeah, I didn't think so. 
Of course, of course, I, I'm jesting. I'm trying to, to draw you in. But uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to use the show Fear Factor. And we're going to use it to, to start a conversation on fear. And the reason why we're going to talk about fear is because we all experience fear. We all are affected by fear in our lives. And, and what I want you to realize, and hopefully what we'll, we'll come to, to understand by the end of the day, is that we actually don't have to be afraid of being fearful. Okay? Before we start, why don't we, we should, well, let's, let's pray. Let's uh, ask the Lord to bless our time and, 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 and uh, go before him in his throne. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the opportunity just to worship you in a place that is, uh, that is we are able to do this freely, Lord. We are not uh, faced with any direct opposition or persecution being here in Reynoldsburg, Lord. We pray for the community. We pray for the people that don't know you. We pray for uh, this church. I lift up Simple Church, and I lift up Aaron and his leadership and the other leaders here, Lord, that you bless them, that you care for them. Thank you for the people who are willing to come and, and, and stand before your throne today, Lord, and hear what you have for them. I pray that this message, as, it, as I preach it, as the word you've given to me, let it infiltrate my heart first and affect my heart and, and bring truth and light to my fears as well as the hearers, Lord. Open our ears, allow our hearts to be softened. Again, thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in, in his name I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fear Factor as a show works because, hey, hey, it plays on our fears. We, uh, we see these things, and, and it's obvious, and it's like that, that train wreck that everybody talks about. There's just something about a train wreck that we, we have to look at. We are drawn in by the carnage that is left behind this fallen train. Um, and that's the premise of Fear Factor. That's why it's so successful, because we just couldn't help but watch people experience these things that are some of our, our deepest Fears, the things that we are the most afraid of, heights, disgusting bugs and things crawling on us and drowning, and, and that's why we loved the show. That show played on what's called our temporal fears. Let me, let me explain temporal. Temporal is like uh, the here and the now. It's the tangible. It's the things you can touch. It's, it's, it's what is affecting us currently in, in our lives, things that are, that are immediate, um, Maybe instead of, of temporal, some people would, would describe it as, as worldly fears, things that are affecting our body. Before we move on, though, I do want to say one quick thing, and I hope this is an encouragement to some of you. Each and every one of us are affected by some form of temporal fear, whether it's rooted in or outside of this world. We are all affected by, by uh, depression, potentially an eating disorder, uh, physical pain, anxiety, we all face these things. And the, why, the reason why I'm just pausing because I want to tell you, I want to give you some, some real quick encouragement that someday those pains, those fears, they're going to be gone. Someday this world will be healed and we will not have to deal with those pains and those fears any longer. Amen, absolutely. There is hope. You just got to hang in there for a while. Christ does love you. Believe me. So we're going to talk about temporal fear. We're also going to talk about fear of the Lord. We're going to discuss, uh, it's more of a, a reverent fear. When, you're, when you are reverent of something, you are, um, you are drawn to it. You are expressing a, a deep respect for someone or something. 
Now, both a temporal fear and a reverent fear causes us action, causes us to move. Sometimes when we're faced with temporal fear, we're, we're definitely in some form of, of a danger. We need to get out of that situation. We feel like we can't control it. We need, to, we need to move. We need to be out of that moment. When we experience reverent fear, on the other hand, we are also aware of our situation, but it's actually something that, that draws us closer to what we're experiencing. A peace comes over me. Hallelujah. Amen, sister. Again, both of us, both of these things cause us to react. Both are real and noticeable if we are willing to see what is going on, if we're willing to open ourselves up to receiving what the Lord has us. Let's talk about our temporal fears first, okay? Again, a temporal fear is, is something that is tangible. It's something that, that can immediately affect us. Uh, we can see this fear. We can see, we can experience what is causing us fear. Um, a, a good example would be you're walking through the woods and bam, there's a bear in front of you. That bear is very tangible. That bear tangibly wants to touch you, although swat your head off. That is very easy to identify what you're being afraid of, what is scaring you. But how about this? These are a little more difficult. What if you're at work and, and you know that you've messed up, you know you've done something wrong and your boss has just found out and you, you absolutely know that he is just going to come down on you and the only thing you can do is wait. You sit in your office, oh man, what's going to happen next? Am I going to get fired? That's a temporal fear. What about lying? Has anybody lied here? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm just going to keep on going. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> have you ever told a friend or a loved one a lie and then later on find out that, that they know? Suddenly you're exposed? That's a hard pit in your stomach that just grinds at you. The shame you feel, that's temporal fear. How about when you want something so badly that you think you can't go on without having it? Something that it just consumes you. Something that you have, you think you can't be happy in anything else unless you actually acquire what you're desiring. You're obsessed. That's a form of temporal fear. You need something. Now I can give you a lot more examples. We can go on and on. I can give you many examples from my own life. But what my point is here is that temporal fear is often solely based in us, in ourselves. Yeah, I know sometimes there's a, there's a legitimate danger like the bear, but really every example that I could come up with, it always boils down to self-preservation. It's about preserving, it's about continuing, it's about doing what I think is good for me now, what I think is best for me now. I think I'm the smartest person for me right now. And worldly fear is rooted in getting what we want. Worldly fear is always about me. Fear can be danger, but typically that fear is based in sin. And sin is what our problem is. Sin is always rooted in selfishness. I want what I want. I want to do what I want to do when and where I want to do it. And you can't judge me. You don't know me. We don't live alone. We are this, all this selfishness is, is silly because we're not the only person on the earth. We work, we live, we, we, we commute, we are around people, we come to church with other people. So when my selfishness is then affected by your selfishness, 
what happens? We bristle. We get angry. Don't you judge me. You don't know me. That's an easy one. Let me take it the other direction. We also can be just as sinful if we sink back and we allow others to walk all over us, walk all over us to gain their approval. You might say, well, how's that the case? That sounds like humility. Well, let me, let me give you an example. Maybe we say, okay, yeah, yeah, you, you, can, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, you can just, just, just let me stay. Don't leave me. Maybe, again, we've got a, a work situation. You're willing to uh, compromise your convictions. You say, okay, yeah, sure, I will, I will do whatever you want me to do. I will say whatever you want me to say to that customer. Just, just don't fire me. I need this. What I'm getting at is that that loud and angry individual can be just as sinful as the timid and overly compliant person. Both ways, both examples are about self preservation. One person needs the control and the other person needs the approval of that person. Each example cares more for their position with man than with their position with God. If the angry person believed that God was in complete control of his life and wanted good for him, then he wouldn't need to manipulate or try and control anyone else with their temper. If the timid person believed God affirmed them and accepted them as their son or daughter, then that person wouldn't need to, to scratch for fear of worldly approval. Selfishness is the root. It's all about me. I live in my world and it is about me. I want what I want. Selfishness makes much of ourselves no matter what our temperament is. Humility and selfishness can never exist together. This is one of my most favorite quotes, and it goes like this. Humility is not thinking, of, not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Humility, how do you read? Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So if our sin and fear are based in serving ourselves, how do we change that? How do we muster up the ability to do that? We can't. You see, that weight that you're trying to lift off your shoulders, it is just an easy yoke to remove when you recognize that it is God. God is the one who actually is the one who will do all of the work. He will be the one who transforms you. Ezekiel 36 26 and 27 says this, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. This passage alone can give us the ability to understand how there's even something that's about reverence in God. Being a God-fearing Christian is not somebody who lives under this continual threat of this uh, ultimate being sitting in the clouds ready to whip down some sort of lightning bolt to smite its creation when ultimate subordination doesn't happen. Proper fear of the Lord is experienced when you understand that God who created the universe loves you and puts forth the effort to transform you. He extends himself for your sake and gives you himself so you can be in relationship with him. 
God is the active father in our relationship with him, okay? That is why the Lord is to be revered. When you see how powerful God is and how he is the one who actually puts forth the effort to assuage his wrath just so you can have a relationship with him, you will worship. Now in this world, we so often, we, we mix up temporal fear and, and fear of the Lord. It is plain as day once we get out of this room that the world has exchanged the fear of God for the fear of man. Everywhere you go, you see this. You need to be like this because they're not going to love you if you don't look like this. Or, or you need to get what you deserve in life. Our culture continually feeds itself these false truths just to lead us back to the muddy pit that we're trying to escape from. We don't recognize God's uh, true position in our lives because we keep telling ourselves, it is about me. I'm the one who knows how to think. I know what I'm feeling, so it must be true. And I need to tell you that, honestly, it doesn't matter whether you are a Christian or not. If you are here and you are not, if you are here and you are, it does not matter what you think. God is God, and he is who he says he is. There is no such thing as this truth is truth for me and that truth is truth for you. Uh Uh-uh. There is only the truth. There's no such thing as a truth. There is only the truth. And when we realize that, when we come to understand that, reverence for the Lord will pour out in your life. There's one way that you can kind of check yourself and see if you believe this. You can check yourself and see if you are truly uh, adhering to what, this, what the Bible describes, prescribes. John 14, 21. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Whoever loves Jesus will keep his commandments. When a person truly understands and is transformed by what Ezekiel is saying, they will live a life that John talks about in chapter 14, verse 21. Let me propose some questions for you, some things to think about as we're, as we're sitting here today, just to lead you in this, this, this thought process. How do you respond when I ask you about the fear of God? Does it ignite something inside of you and lead you to want to go out and worship? Do you bristle? Do you push back? Uh Uh-uh, no. No, that is not God. That is not, I know what I'm talking about. Do you see God as your buddy? Do you see him just as as your next door neighbor and, and you appreciate him, but you only wave at him when you go out to mow your grass? Do you recognize the Lord as the creator of the universe and the keeper of all knowledge? When you're living your life outside of these walls, which, hello, is the majority of your life, does the fear of God ever come into your thinking? Do you ever say to yourself, man, I, I, I shouldn't do this because God is going to be in disapproval of me? 
Here's an even harder one. Are you afraid to turn from your sin because you are more concerned with the approval of others in your transformation? Are you afraid to turn from your sin because you're too worried about what the other people in your life are going to think about your transformation? The practical outcome of a life that fears the Lord is a life that loves and follows the commands of Jesus Christ. And I know, I live this, I know it's not an easy thing that I'm asking of you. Any sin that is left in our life is a root that remains. It just, it it digs in. It's a a root of self-worship. Just managing a weed by chopping off what is exposed is never going to get rid of the root. That weed will continue to be replaced, and sin is a weed that grows and chokes out the truth of God in our life. Don't be afraid to allow yourself to follow Jesus Christ in obedience. Your life will be different, and you are promised peace. You are promised peace. And you are not promised ease, but you are promised peace. So often in church, we give this watered-down version of Jesus and how he's just our good example to follow for a good life. Man, that is true. If we do what Jesus did, yeah, we would live a good life. But Jesus is not just a good example, but a king for us to follow in his reverence for his Father God. There's a, a very popular part of the story in the biblical narrative the Garden of Gethsemane. Before Jesus goes to the, goes to the cross, he, he takes time and he prays to the Father. Right before Judas uh, gives him over to these, uh, to these guards and these sinners, Jesus takes a moment and prays as he often does to his, to his own Father. Matthew 26, 36. If, you're, if you've got time, you want to open your Bibles, you can or write it down. Um, you know, there are Bibles here. If you do not have the Word of God, this is important for you to carry. It's important for you to know and understand. This is where the truth lies. We will get you a Bible. You can talk to me afterwards, talk to Aaron, talk to somebody you see from the church. Anyways, Matthew 26. Let me read it for you, and we'll, get, we'll move on. Then Jesus went with him to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began, a, he began to become sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his faith and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Should you not, so could you not watch me for just, with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may enter in, not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went and prayed, My father, if this cannot, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for a third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. 
See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed to the, to, into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. So often that, that, that story comes over us and we hear of these things and we, and we, we jump to the, to the larger story. In Luke, it talks about how Jesus is so intense, he actually sweats blood and we remember those things. But what's so important and what is so silly is we actually just kind of graze over the actual words of Jesus, the actual prayers of Jesus. Jesus actually makes a request of his father to, to pass this cup, to, to pass this responsibility off of him. Let me read the line for you again. It says, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But here's what we're talking about. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. See, Jesus knew the plan. He knew that there was no other way for this to happen. He, his heart was sorrowful because he, his heart was not sorrowful because he was about to face this intense pain. His heart was not sorrowful because he was about to be brutally beaten. His heart was not sorrowful because he was about to be staked up onto this plank of wood as a cross and lifted up so everyone could jeer and mock him. No, his, his soul, and so graciously he reveals this, his soul was sorrowful because he, had, for the first time in eternity past and in eternity future, he was going to be separated spiritually from his father for you. This is a hard thing to understand because he says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus faced what he was commanded to do with reverence in God and in complete obedience because he loved his Father God. This is not easy, but he knew his call. (laughs) We are hardly faced with the crucifixion. We are faced with our selfish, sinful life. We are faced with our need to to gain approval from the people in our lives. This is a a community church, a church that loves each other and, and loves the neighborhoods and loves the people of this city. Take time, please, I encourage you, take time today to look and discuss what it's like to love Jesus the way he asks the way he commands. Take, take, do it for the week. Do it for, heck, you know what? Come on, do it the rest of your life. Talk to anyone and everyone you can about what it looks like to love Jesus. As we end, I'm going to leave, leave you with this. There is a truth here that we all must understand. We are all fearful. We are all fearful of the temporal. There are things in our life that affect each and every single one of us. There, there could be very large things or just things that we keep secret, that we keep in our hearts, that we know we face, that we're not willing to share. But allow those walls to be broken down because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Christ paid this price for each and every one of our sins. There is nothing that his blood cannot wash away. He promises that the Lord, the Father, will not remember our sins any longer. They will be cast as far as the east is from the west. East, west. 
Thank the Lord. And if, you're, if you are here today and you are not a Christian, thank you for coming. I, believe me, I know the Lord brought you here for this reason, to hear this message, to understand that Jesus Christ is who the scriptures say he is. And you can live in a life that is fearful, properly reverent of the Lord of the universe. You don't have to be stuck in this, in this life of cons- consumption, of, of believing what you believe and, and, and only listening to the truth of your own heart, your own feelings. We live in a life that is a heart of stone and it is impenetrable. But what can change that heart is the Lord taking away our heart of stone and he actively gives us a heart of flesh. Allow that to happen, please. What I'm going to do, I'm going to pray real fast. If you're not a Christian today, and today is that day, and this message has has gripped you, praise God. Talk with someone. Share it with someone. People are here to pray with you and for you. Why don't we do lower our heads and and close our eyes, and I'll I'll finish up with a prayer, a prayer of reverence, thanking the Lord for, for what he's given us. And as I pray, if, if you want to give your life over to the Lord today, go ahead, raise your hand, and, 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 and we'll see you, and we will thank the Lord and praise him for your name. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for, for loving us. Thank you for being there always, knowing each hair on our head and knitting us together. Father, you know everything about us, and you know who we are. Father, for those who may have heard this message for the first time today, I pray that you move in their heart and and give them the confidence to, to just recognize what you've done for them. Thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for the message and how it transforms my heart. Help us to love and to serve and to be obedient to your son, Jesus Christ, in our lives, representing him and being a light to our communities. Bless you, Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.